Oh, it was thanks the weekend after Thanksgiving is when I went to the hospital. So, yeah, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh. yeah. But then I, I got out. I was in there for like three weeks. I got COVID. It's like deathly ill. Was like, oh, yeah. I remember you telling me this. Yeah. And then it was like a couple more weeks till I get into rehab. And I have weed gummies and Netflix. So that's nice. why I say January 4th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was in Pine Rest over Christmas. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, it was, was no fun. Yeah, that's I, was in, I was actually in the <clears throat> the uh, the dual diagnosis unit, which mm-hmm. was like a, a lockdown psych ward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so only certain, like I can only have a couple visitors. So only my family and then the the pastor of my parents' church, because mm-hmm. clergy's allowed at any time, yeah. uh, came and like saw me on Christmas Day. So That's cool. But it was so depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> it was, great. Like, the night before, too, it was like, they tried to get as many people out as they could. They're like, you know, Christmas Eve, we want to get you home to your family if you're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I. they made it pretty clear that I was like on the not ready list. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, what? I'm doing great. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We, I worked at the the locked mental health unit at Pine Rest. Okay. Um, I worked there for like six months. Okay. And Christmas fell in towards the end, not mm-hmm. gonna lie. Um, but I was supposed to work Christmas Eve, but during the, the like first shift yep. Christmas Eve. And that night during like shift change between the second and third, um, they had a resident like found out their parents couldn't come. They were supposed to yep. come down and visit and they found out they weren't coming and they weren't going to, there was a storm and they were not going to see them until probably after the new year right. it was going to be and it had been a while since they'd seen them and lost it they had to call the SWAT team and oh okay yeah wow. yeah wow. yeah it's that's a that's a difficult just whole thing to process because I was I had already been there for like three or four days so I was like yeah. I was really sober which was new for me too like I was really sober mm-hmm. and then you know just feeling all the feelings and then yeah. I remember when they told me I wasn't leaving too I was like pacing laps i mean i feel like i was on like in prison or something the way i was just like pacing laps like hearts racing people are leaving and i'm like i'm staying here yeah terrible feeling but Mm -hmm. i think that was the hard part like it's just so and they kind of knew like when they got the call because originally they were supposed to come during the day and then they had to push it because of the snow and they were coming from the up so it was like and at a certain point they were like we just we just can't make it. And everybody knew because mm-hmm. he was a long-term resident. Okay. So like his family knew what that was going to mean. Mm-hmm. All of the staff, like they just all knew. And it Race was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're yeah. like, when is it going to pop off? Cause right. that was the only, like they just all knew. And it was a really rough night. I remember coming back in, I had Christmas day off, but then I came in the day after Christmas and like he pulled a bunch of the drop ceiling stuff down. So there's like cords hanging and they like, Mm. It looked like an apocalyptic nightmare a little bit. Yeah. It was rough. It is it is not funny, but it, just to think back on that too, because like now my message to people like in detox, in short-term rehab or long-term rehab, my message is always like stay as long as you can. Because mm-hmm. like I know like <clears throat> Christmas Eve night, like I – I wasn't like thinking like when I get out of here, I'm going to use, but like, I know I still had reservations mm-hmm. yeah. and like staying there a couple days longer. I'm not saying it saved my life or I don't know if it changed the course of where I was going, but sure. I know I wasn't at, in as good of a place that night as when I actually yeah. was when I was released. So I'm glad I got as sick as I did. Cause it gave me like PTSD. If I would have just detoxed and been out of the hospital a week later, I I think about that. I'm like, right. I was like dead, deathly ill. Like they were like, you might not make it. Right. <laughs> I was like, you want a ventilator? Yeah, that's right. For a little bit and like oxygen and packing ice packs. It was like an ice bath and stuff. They were like, this is really bad, man. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. I still like it was almost like I dreamed it. Like I don't remember the really bad week of it, but right. Yeah, but, I think back on that, and I'm like, I'm kind of glad I have that to remember. Very Christmassy, cheery episode. Is it really? I don't know. We, we can talk. We can talk about that. Were you talking about how you were? Um, didn't this happen? Didn't you like miss Thanksgiving or something like that? Yes, I missed Thanksgiving. See, dinner. there's all sorts of topical it's stuff. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I almost wore a Christmas yeah. sweater. All right. Let's, Let's get this started. Okay.
podcast put on by Guiding Light, Debbie. Um, we do have a stand-in for Daniel today. This is Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. You might remember him. Returning. He's been on an episode before. Yeah. Yeah. One of the early ones. Yeah. I think like the true. third or the fourth one. It's still What's wild it to me that it's been like 30 episodes. This is 28. Yeah. Yeah. That's still crazy. That's 28 weeks of this. It's good stuff. to be back. It's good to have you back, Nick. Yeah. I remember when we had you on and you were in the program, you were in rehab still, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you didn't know that. <laughs> You didn't know what we <laughs> were doing. At one point, you no suddenly own, were like, I want to be very wait, clear. Is I was pulled live? into a room and right. a microphone was placed in front of me. Yeah. That's no how we other. do it here. <laughs> I know. At one point, you were all of a sudden like, wait, is this live? Isn't this live? And we were like, no, it's not live. Not we're not Every, live more, broadcasting. There's a couple people have asked that question. That is true. Look at Who's who's gonna be watching this? What do you mean it's live or not? I don't know. They think it's the nobody news. watches it anyway. Preparing to if they say something so terrible that we can still go edit it before the world sees it. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have to bleep out all of the inappropriate. I still uh, swear up words sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's like a little Easter egg hunt. Yeah. See all the times that we say. Shit. One thing I know about people in recovery, they're concerned with their vernacular. Very. <laughs> right. It's a really strong sentence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Before we get too far away from this, though, we should probably introduce our guest. Yes. Okay. We got a little off track there. Thanks for distracting yeah. us. You really are playing Daniel today. Yeah. Um, so you can introduce yourself. Yeah. Um, my name is Luke. Yes. Perfect. Person in recovery. Glad to have you, Luke. Yeah, yeah. thanks good to be here. here. Thanks yeah. for having thanks me. For coming down. Uh, yeah. I know Luke from when I was uh, in early recovery. I met you. How did we meet? You know, I, I, like I, in Ryan's basement, presumably. Yeah, but, like, but I actually think the first time I met you, uh, I was on the board for the North Club, and I had come here to see um, who was the previous executive director. Stuart, Stuart Ray. Ray. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd come here to speak with him about some collaborating collaboration ideas. Uh-huh. And I walked in when they were serving lunch uh-huh. and I was like, had this pitch ready to ready to talk to him about these ideas. And he's like, sit down for lunch. And he like put me at a table with some guys. Like he was not going to listen to my ideas. He's like, take your hat off, have lunch. Uh-huh. And I oh, think I was at a table like with him. you. Really? Yeah. So I don't was, remember that. No, I know. I mean that it was when you were, yeah, you know, living here. I must so have just gotten here. Very early recovery. Oh my god! Um, but it was funny because I was like, "I'm gonna tell him these great ideas I have," and he's like, "Take your hat off, have lunch." And I was like, "Okay." And yeah, I ate lunch, and then yeah, I couldn't find like him, him, and I was like, "I guess I leave now." Oh really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I eventually we spoke, but in yeah, yeah, that yeah, was, that's how I, I that sounds like him. Yeah. That yeah. is a clear pattern already. You're just getting pulled in to do a podcast. You're just told to have lunch. That's just how things work. I know. <laughs> this is, you never know what you're doing. We have get. a new executive director, and it's still the same thing. Yep. It's kind of a culture. It is. When you're in guiding light, be ready to be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> Daniel just peeked his head in to the conference room. He just Whoa. looked through the window. Well, I know. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it Sorry. feels like we're getting caught. You're missing out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been you, but you play it. Could have been you. You know how much I wish I could just be like, no, I don't feel like it. You guys go ahead and do it. I know. You are the only one <sighs> that, that has been on every single episode. You yeah. are a critical component of none of us can do life. that stuff. The cornerstone, Doug. Mm-hmm. Yep. You really are. So what? I'm trying to remember when I met you, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I mean, This is going to bother no him all day. When Did you start... Uh, when we go to the meeting that we go to, when did you, were they meeting in Ryan's basement? I know I went to South Harbor before COVID. Okay. So I was in, so I was in Guiding Light. Uh, so I was in rehab for two months and then COVID happened. I know I had mm-hmm. been, South Harbor is a meeting that me and Luke go to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know I'd gone there before because I remember it being at the church. And then, um, and then COVID happened, and then I started going to it. I think Sam started bringing me there. My sponsor started bringing me there when, um, when it was in Ryan's basement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the basement. So when COVID happened, all the meetings were shut down, and our friend Ryan has a chiropractor. I don't know if I should be saying this, but That's he was. Right. Yeah, we were holding illegal meetings, and he was holding meetings in his basement in while person, the lockdown was yeah. happening. Yeah, in person, <laughs> and. 
yeah. illegal meetings. Yeah. It, was so it, was, it was very common. Like, I yeah, know there yeah. were some people that, like, when I told them, they're like, there were still in-person meetings. In I mean, there was a lot of them. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes in people's houses. Um, Life finds a way. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it is always interesting to me, like, the anonymous part. Mm -hmm. And, like, everybody just tells everybody their names anyway. Well, like the first name, you know. Yeah. 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 Even though I, I was re-listening to an, an episode before when I was editing it, and I definitely break breaking it. <laughs> I say people's last names a lot too, unfortunately. I well, just, I'm I'm bad with that. Yeah. yeah. With I, I, but it kind of. I think it really depends on like what your situation was is when you were getting sober. So like yeah. when I got sober, I was 22 years old. I had nothing to my name. I had no career. I had yeah. I, it. Me being an alcoholic was not a surprise to anybody that knew me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I wasn't. No one found out and was like, really? Or, oh, you know, yeah. like he has a problem with drugs. They weren't surprised by that. But there are people who come into the program with like, I mean, there's doctors, there's surgeons, yeah. there's all sorts of people that, I mean, if other people found out, there could be serious implications. Mm -hmm. So, but I think, think for like, still true? I got sober early. I was still in my professional career and very much involved in the community and terrified that someone would see me and really? know, oh yeah. I, it's true to a certain extent. So yeah. if you were just to, I mean, I think society today is much more accepting. Sure. But also, I mean, what if you were under the knife of a surgeon who was intoxicated while on the job? Which yeah, that's true. I haven't heard that exact story, but I've heard right. many stories very similar. And yeah. there's in in cases like that, it's yeah. yeah, you know, finding out if someone is an alcoholic and drinking on the job for years, then. There could be some serious legal yeah. implications right. to that. Yeah. yeah. There was I just in my wondered. field. It was, yeah. yeah. Really? I, I drove trained drivers. Oh. They find out you're doing that drunk, they don't like it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. That yeah, seems a, like a bad yeah, thing. That's right. a bad deal. So yeah. Not quite as serious as a surgeon, but still. No. I, I mean, I was yeah. a student at MSU. So. <laughs> right. I had nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, They're oh, like no, being you drunk in class? Really, you just fit in here. <laughs> right. You were a DOT instructor who was drinking while they're training Stop. traveling. This yeah. is not good. Yeah. yeah, that's not good. Yeah. I do wonder sometimes, like, if the... Because when you talk about trying to, like, reduce stigma around, like, getting help, do you think that the anonymity thing or having that kind of, do you think that perpetuates the stigma or is it just kind of a necessity of the situation? Uh, it Both. Right? Because I have always been someone who I've been very open about my sobriety. Yeah. And... Sobriety got pretty good for me, I would say, early on. Like, after a year of being sober, like, I was enjoying my life again. And yeah. so because of that, I have been very open to, be, you know, tell people I'm yeah. an alcoholic. And mm -hmm. I don't drink or I don't use drugs anymore, but I am an alcoholic. And then it kind of explained that. Um, but, yeah, there is the part of, like, don't tell anyone, mm -hmm. you right. know. And it's like, well, like, I'm couple years sober now or you know however long however long you've been sober and it's like still don't tell people you know mm -hmm. um yeah it's a really deeply ingrained part of it right. and i think it was probably a lot more important when it was founded yeah which is like in the 30s mm -hmm. right or 20 1929 is it yeah or whatever well, i don't yeah. know you would know yeah in the 30s yeah mm -hmm. um so i think it was a lot more important back then and you know i mean one thing i do kind of like about it is how important it is to stick to the principles and traditions and whatnot. Right. Yeah. You know, they've pretty much remained largely unchanged for almost a hundred years, mm -hmm. which is crazy to think about. Yeah. 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 I just always think it's interesting, like, cause we've talked about like reducing the stigma and talking and part of the goal of the podcast really was to talk about this in a way that wasn't inaccessible to people or not like, prettied up for marketing right <laughs> you know mm -hmm. but it's interesting like I, I definitely hear what you're saying like if if you find out a surgeon or a doctor right. or somebody in the medical field like but then how much of that then keeps them from getting help longer right because nobody can you know like they can't tell anybody because then it might call into question other things um I've thought about this a lot so like when I was a kid I um my stepfather at the time um, was a pilot okay. and they have this thing where you can't be on antidepressants mm -hmm. and be a pilot. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he just 
didn't take them. Right. Which wasn't great, (laughs) you know, like, because then it's like he can't have a prescription and take the prescription because he loses his license. So his solution for that was just never get a prescription, never get help, like just not be on medication that he did actually need. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And when you put it like that, you're like, isn't that scarier? Yeah. To know that the person is just not getting help rather than saying like, no, I, I have something I need. And I get why they say it because medications, especially in like psychotropic medications can be tricky and make things worse before you find the right dose. But it's still like somebody who's unmedicated who needs medication for something like depression right? and what flying a plane. I have noticed too, though, because I was worried like when I admitted that I had an addiction that my professional career was over. And what I found particularly working for the job post is that a lot of the the executives we work with, they, they don't care, one, which is interesting. Yeah. And two, a lot of them almost value it. Because yeah. you've admitted mm-hmm. you have this problem, you mm-hmm. don't have this distraction, you're doing something about it, you're working yeah. on yourself, you're a more rounded human being. And that's very attractive to most employers. So it's interesting yeah. that it's quite the opposite almost. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's kind of like when I think about like the anonymous or anonymity factor and the like, you know, trying to protect people, like if we did as a group decide not to do that anymore. But it's I think that's more prevalent than we think it is. There's Mm -hmm. that stigma. Yes. But when you actually get out there and experience it, it's not so prevalent. Yeah. So it's it's already turning a corner. I, I think a way to also break down that stigma so you talk so i feel like for a long time a lot of times the only place an alcoholic could go was aa yeah Mm -hmm. so in in the anonymity in aa is based on the spiritual principle of humility Mm -hmm. so it's not just a it's not just a marketing thing right but so like if you were an alcoholic you went to meetings and then you went once you left the meeting you left and you didn't really talk about who you saw there what you guys were doing i think nowadays alcoholics can go there's there's different groups there's other resources there's i mean like the phoenix there's all these different Mm -hmm. things where it's just like okay we're alcoholics but we're out in the world Mm -hmm. yeah we're doing other things Mm -hmm. you know and 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 while you're there it's like well it's not very anonymous anybody could walk in at any moment you know yeah um and i i think those things have helped a lot but like i said for a while i think you know if you're an alcoholic you went to the hospital you went to the psych ward or you went to AA meetings Mm -hmm. and that was your only choice Mm -hmm. yeah we kept alcoholics hidden for as long as we could. <laughs> Which is so weird considering that they are kind of everywhere. Like, right. mm-hmm. you know. Well, it I doesn't mean, discriminate, as we say. I no. mean, there's yeah. alcoholics everywhere. Yeah. I think the awareness level is at a, the highest point it's ever been. We're kind of in this cultural renaissance period, it seems like, if you want to call it, where LGBT community, alcoholics or addiction community, it's all so much more prevalent. And that awareness factor is so much higher that I don't want to call it universally accepted, but it feels that way. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier, I think, than it's ever been to say, hey, I have this problem and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can find your people a lot easier now than... Mm -hmm any generation before ours, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like now you can find anything. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this too, because we were talking, I think it was Jimmy who was talking about on the cruise ship. Uh Um, Yeah. They had like a friends of bill meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I I was looking into it because I was like, why would they call it that? And it was kind of that idea of like, it's saying like anybody who knows, knows, but anybody who doesn't, doesn't know. Right. And like, it's kind of this like, I, it, it creates a safe space right. in it's like, it's not calling out exactly what it is, but, and you know, with the internet, anybody can Google anything and figure it out. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to me that they would still be doing that and not like making it more of a known right. thing. Right. Like, but it is kind of, I mean, it sounds way more fun to say you're going to a friends of bill meeting than on a cruise ship. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I don't know. That sounds pretty bad, too. (laughs) (laughs) It does sound terrible, doesn't it? (laughs) Who's Bill? (laughs) (laughs) It was just interesting to me. Uh, I just imagine like. 70 or 80 year old people like kind of like wandering in like we'll check it out like maybe bill's the captain and this yeah, is a yeah, private yeah. dinner i'd love to meet bill it, yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like such an interesting hello are know. you a friend mm. <laughs> 
this a formal event? Like, <laughs> Showing up in a tuxedo. <laughs> Do you know the special knock? <laughs> Where's Bill? <laughs> they pass a basket. There's donations involved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, which, so which one of you is Bill? <laughs> Is everybody Bill in that situation? I, that's anonymous. A, that is also like a common phrase, though, for people uh-huh. who are. I think there's bumper stickers that are like you'll drive down the highway and someone's got like friend of Bill. Hey, friend of Bill. Yeah. Oh. So it's a way that people have always said that they're like mm-hmm. in recovery or attend 12 step meetings. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's really cool. I don't think I would have ever, well, I never would have questioned that because bumper stickers are just everywhere exactly and you read that one and you're like okay bill was someone who passed away tragically and you know they all bought yeah, bumper totally stickers could be a and memorial yeah. thing. this is how we you know or it's some band person that i don't know right i yeah like a yeah. band in war sounds like a political <laughs> yeah. thing yeah it's easily disguised yeah yeah that's like there's a podcast that I used to listen to and they have like a an acronym that they say all the time. And so they have stickers. And if you see one, you know that they're also a person who listens to this podcast. Okay. And then sometimes people will like change, like if there's like stockings with letters on them, yep. they'll move it. So it says SSDGM and then you know that. Is that the acronym? Yeah. Oh, okay. SSDGM is the... Okay. What one were you thinking of? I, I, one that could never be said on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair. But also from later. a podcast. And yeah. Yeah, they had the letters and everybody just knew. So. Yeah, you just know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. fellow. They call, like, the, the people who listen to the podcast are called Murderinos because it's a podcast. Okay. It's a podcast about murder. Right. And it's also weird to say that. Like, if you see a yeah, bumper yeah. sticker that says Murderino, yeah. like, I know what that means, but normal people probably don't. <laughs> you like forensic files way too much. I do, though, Oh, no, that's what like, I would think of us. No, that's fair. Yeah. It's kind of a bizarre thing that's just emerged as, like, this community of people who are like, we love murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. for a while, you know, it wasn't a thing. And it sounds, like, though. We yeah. do love murder. <laughs> or when you're watching 48 Hours and my wife's like, what's it. this one about? And she's like, no one dies. I'm like, oh, that was really morbid the way you said that. Like, <laughs> like you're disappointed that no, no one, one dies. dies. <laughs> I was like, it's these true. are real people. <laughs> like Dateline used to not do very many like true crime stories. Dateline right. used to be more of just like interest stories. And like now current Dateline is like, almost all crime and murder and right. everything else. So it's like, if you try to listen to classic Dateline is what they call it, mm, you're like, yeah. ah, well, nobody dies. Nobody dies. <laughs> it's not as exciting, <laughs> which is Dateline. terrible. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> Sorry to go off on a dance. That's okay. You this wanted to so talk nice. about the holidays? What? <laughs> Did you want to talk about the Doug? holidays? Specifically. What's really nice? What? What's so nice? Um, no, just having four people on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you don't have to talk as much. Yeah, it's so nice to just be back here. <laughs> yeah. When I brought up bringing in like a stand in for Daniel, he got really excited. He did? Yeah, yes. he lit right up. He's like, Can we? Yeah. I'm God. like, Doug, you're in charge. We can do whatever yeah. you want. Your deal, Doug. <laughs> yeah. I'll go tell somebody they're doing it. Yeah, you Bossy did. is the name yes. of my game. What are you doing? That's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, I opened the door and you were right there. So, yes. right place, right time. It's luck of the draw. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know I went into detox January 3rd of okay. 2020. January a little... is a popular time. It is. Right after the holidays. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or during the holidays. So, I guess all three of us kind of have some sort of connection to the holidays and, yeah. and figuring that out. I don't, I mean, honestly, I didn't even know it was the, ho- I mean, I did, right. but like it, it was just, it just happened to be the time. Like yeah. people have asked me before is like, so January 3rd of 2020, like, what was that a new year's resolution or something like that? I'm like, no, I've been trying to quit drinking for like seven years. I just, <laughs> right, it right. just, I just, I think I just ended up at, a, I've got to a point where I was ready to just, maybe try something i mean it was a i moved back to west michigan in like august of 2019 kind of fully with the intention of like okay i'm gonna get i'm gonna try to get sober like i moved back in with my parents uh and i was just like um 
pretty much pretty much just burned down every aspect of my life and i'm like okay well i guess i'm gonna start over and i checked into pine rest and i went to detox and i was there for like a week and then i got out and then um you know went to meetings every day and uh you know tried to figure i don't know i i did stay sober for a while but i just wasn't ready or, or whatever i don't know i wasn't it, it didn't last long and then i went so i went back out and then i went back to detox and i went back out again and then i went back to detox and then um and then i ended up here at guiding light and i that those hol those holidays were just are just miserable that was such a terrible time in my life mm -hmm. but i don't know how much I don't, I don't know if it was the holidays that really triggered me to do that but there are a lot of people it seems like that's the time of year that the, that this kind of comes to a head i don't yeah. know i think it's interesting like i was thinking about this the other day because josh wanted to go out and like go to dinner or something and i was like it's really cold i didn't have a coat yet this was like last week, so <laughs> stupid. I've lived here my whole life. I don't know why I thought not having a coat this time of year was a good idea, but, and I was just like, I just want to hibernate already. And yeah. I was like, oh, that sucks. That doesn't sound like a great idea. That feels bad. So right. then I went out and bought a bunch of sweaters and like a nice big thick coat. And I'm like, now I'm ready. <laughs> like, now I'm like inspired to get out and do things. But I think it gets dark so early it's like this is a tough time of year and especially yeah. if you have had difficulties with family like a lot of people in addiction have mm -hmm. like being told no you're not invited to thanksgiving seems like it would be right crappy mm -hmm. you know yeah. yeah i wasn't i was never not invited but i was you know if i if i was invited it wasn't a guarantee i was showing up <sighs> or just i mean for me like showing up at a family function was like i mean that was torture mm -hmm. near the end at least you know yeah mm -hmm. I, even so i i went into detox on december 20th and as miserable as it was and as bad as i wanted to leave i remember like thinking oh everybody's gonna be finding out where i'm at now oh. and like this actually is a little bit of a relief just mm -hmm. being locked in the in the cycle totally. yeah. and thinking like i don't have to explain anything right yeah, now to yeah. anyone yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're gonna feed me three times today yeah. i'm gonna go to a meeting later tonight with a bunch of other people yeah. that kind of understand what i'm going through i i'm not feeling shame in the current moment and so there was there was a relief in that i was like locked up for the holidays yeah. i got out soon after but yeah, yeah. yeah. i but i do remember my parents coming in like Christmas Day and like showing me videos of like family members wishing me a Merry Christmas Ugh. and like that I know sucks. I know yeah. it, it's terrible but like it broke me yeah. it broke yeah. me because yeah. yeah. it was yeah. like I I for the first like I, I had been missing out on life for a long time at that point mm -hmm. but being sober and fine like just realizing like oh yeah. I, I've really been missing out on a lot of life yeah um, yeah all came crashing had you been to like treatment and stuff like that before that point or no like... so that was my first mm -hmm. detox huh. uh, that was my first professional detox mm -hmm. so i attempted to get sober and detox on my own mm -hmm. you know hundreds of times yeah. um but yeah yeah and then i moved back home with my parents mm -hmm. um as soon as that was done i was at michigan state that was the second time i'd been pulled out mm -hmm. that and the second time uh because i was hospitalized and then into pine rest they were able to like what's the word expunge some of my grades mm -hmm. and reimburse mm -hmm. me some of my tuition and oh, then nice. um there was someone at michigan state who like like oversaw my case of like getting back in because i was on academic probation from being pulled out the first time mm -hmm. so then the second time i was technically i don't know being kicked out or yeah. Um, so for me to start going back to class again, they had to kind of like hear my story and, you know, hear from me why it was going to work this time. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a someone at Michigan State who like really teamed up with me and was like wow. extremely helpful. I know. It, it, and it's so cool. It is, especially at a big school where yeah. it would very easily just get brushed under the rug like problem child, problem kid, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't deserve a third chance. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it was cool. Mm -hmm. But I've heard even recently, um, 
I can't remember the the guy who did was the keynote speaker for the North Club. They just had their gala. He's one of the Ken announcers. Daniels. Yeah, Ken yeah. Daniels. Ken Daniels. Yeah. So his son Jamie mm-hmm. was the one who died while he was in mm-hmm. um, overdose while he was in sober living in Florida. Mm-hmm. But he was a, a Michigan State student, mm-hmm. and he talked not he talked recently about the stuff they're doing there now with like yeah. sober housing at universities and wow. yeah all, all mm. sorts That's of different so things cool. for students and mm-hmm. things that weren't there now i would not have used those resources <laughs> while i was there but it is cool to think oh, like how lame is that right right i know i went to college at western they call it western lovingly <laughs> yeah, yeah. really yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. affectionately referred to in the community yeah. as western so yeah. that's so interesting yeah. i don't think the it, jamie daniels foundation is yeah. what that's called yeah. yes oh yeah. okay it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I went to a very small private college for undergrad, and okay. I don't even know if they have that there. And there are like, the whole campus is 1,400 students. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I yeah. went to Alma. I, so I eventually did go back, and I I commuted for two years and got my degree. Mm-hmm. That was a time where I, I like, would have used those resources. Not necessarily yeah. moving back onto campus, but, mm-hmm. like, I, there's an Alano club close to campus there. It's an old bar mm-hmm. turned into an Alano club. Oh, okay. And I would commute down there, go to class, and then I would go hang out there for the entire day and go to meetings, do homework, go back to class, back and forth. And Yeah. So, I mean, that was the only resource I really had at the time, but. Well, it's it cool. Just, I mean, we're talking about, like, <clears throat> stigmas being changed and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it's getting easier and easier the younger you are to kind of realize and take advantage of those resources mm-hmm. as opposed to even, you know, 10 years ago you Absolutely. Know, or eight years ago or, or whenever yeah. it was, you know, like it's cool to see. Yeah. I, you've probably heard me say in meetings too. I don't know if you have, but in one of the parts of our literature, it talks about young people getting sober and it says mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing people get sober um, younger and we're seeing that they can uh, avoid 10 to 15 years of hell. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is just understanding, okay, for me, a big part of it is just understanding what is an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you know, cause like scientifically, like what, what about me is it, you know, yeah. and knowing like, cause I, there's plenty of people that I, I saw in meetings and I was like, yep, they're for sure an alcoholic. And if they drink, that's what happens. Yeah. As soon yeah, as I could totally. figure out that once I start drinking, I won't stop no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as I can, I, f- I figured that out. I thought I, all of everybody else's story became mine. If yeah. I drink that, well, you, what you went through, I can easily go through too. And I think that's what's making it easier for young yeah. young people is just seeing the patterns of like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. on the same path you were. Mm-hmm. I went to hundreds of meetings where older people or people in their 40s, 50s talked about, yeah, I had a chance when I was 21 or 22. Yeah. I was in a meeting didn't want to be there yeah. and left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard that and thought, oh, mm-hmm. like, I don't want that to be me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is a, one, my one chance, some people don't get another chance. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I do remember wrapping my head around that concept relatively early, like like 21 and realized like, oh, OK, I'm definitely that. Right. I'm not ready to make any changes to that. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, I got sober when I was 27, you mm-hmm. know, which is a lot better than getting sober when I was like, you know, 50. You know, 27 yeah. is an ex- yeah. it's very yeah. young to get sober. Yeah, I feel well. Yeah, I feel good about that. I mean, yeah. um, I still beat myself up a lot about how like I feel like I wasted my twenties, and yeah. you know, and I feel You're not like that good anyway. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, you say that, but you know, it doesn't change the fact that I feel it that way sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> well, I still like I wouldn't change anything because uh, I'm very happy with who I am today. I do think it's really interesting because we've talked about this before about like when people get sober younger, it's really interesting because the culture of drinking, especially in America where it's 21 Mm -hmm. and then like there's like so many years where and I feel like I even remember in my social work classes when they talk about substance use disorder, which is the technical clinical term for it, like there's a formula for like how much you drink and how often and Mm -hmm. that's what enables you to be diagnosed with SUD, but I don't know. Like there were a lot of people in college that aren't alcoholics now, but like that was true for them. Like the formula doesn't work. I I know people who drink every day and like don't, I I don't think they have a problem. I know that's weird to say, you know what I mean? But like they're they're capable of like, 
like if there was some sort of serious complication, whether it's like health wise or like mm-hmm. legal wise or something, they just stop. Like I know a guy who got a DUI recently and then, well, not recently, but, uh, but you know, he said, he said recently is like, yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, it's been a year since I've had a drink. And I'm like, and it was, it was funny because it was just like, I was like, what do you mean? You didn't violate your probation at all or anything like that? It's <laughs> right. like, no, I yeah, had to. Like, <laughs> And like, it wasn't hard. Oh, that's right. That's what normal people do. You don't violate your probation. Yeah. <laughs> you right, know? yeah. But for me, I would have been like, man, you couldn't find out some... And sure, there probably was some way he could have drank if he wanted to on probation, but you're not yeah. supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, right. yeah. So even though he got a DUI, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that he's, you yeah. know, and has a problem. Yeah. You talked about Just, the equation. So yeah. I, even the accuracy accuracy of it is... Oh, yeah. It, I mean, if it's not, but I'm, I'm not saying it's not accurate. I think the it's most not. important part <laughs> is just that it doesn't matter what you tell someone they are. Like, yeah. I mean, right. you know, we say in the program, I can't tell you if you're an alcoholic or not. Well, actually I can. Mm-hmm. I could probably very easily listen to your story and figure out if you're an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is it doesn't matter if I think you're an alcoholic right. or not. And for someone, that's why it's in, for, in the program, it's so simple, but it's like the, once you start, can you stop? Mm-hmm. Uh, are there times where you've made the choice to not drink and you ended up drinking still? Like, those are the things that yeah. are like, once a person can relate to that, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, yeah, maybe. But they're, the problem is, is so many people just believing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We hang on to every last thread of, well, I didn't try this way, or, you know, yeah. if I just switch this one thing then maybe i won't drink like that so yeah like daniel always says if i just do sobriety harder right it'll work this time if i just do it harder yeah (laughs) like it's just such an interesting i think that's what's maybe part of what's happening with the more people talking about it and Mm -hmm. the more people like the more information and awareness to your point like younger and younger people are able to recognize like, oh, just because everybody around me is drinking the same amount I am and Mm -hmm. it's socially acceptable, doesn't mean that this is not a problem. Like maybe I don't feel good about it. If I had to boil down like one thing that was different about this attempt at sobriety than the other one, it's that every other time that I tried to get sober and I failed, it was because I didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Or I didn't like I didn't have enough willpower. And I think one, this is this is the first time that I ever was willing to listen to to somebody in the program and get a sponsor and stuff like that. And the things that they told me was that it's actually your self will and your willpower that's actually keeping you back and keeping you sick. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. And that was that was such a revelation for me at the time. I still like remember reading that in there's a part in the 12 and 12, which is a, which is a, an AA book. And, um, and it said the philosophy of self-reliance has failed us. And I just remember being like, wow, I can't believe that makes sense to me. And it also is so inherently contradictory to everything, like all the values I've been raised with, mm-hmm. where it's yeah. just, you know, like all the values instilled in me, instilled in me, like by my father were like, just work hard. And if it's yeah. not working out, you need to work harder. And that's yeah. the same approach I took to sobriety. And, and I was just like, how am I not getting anywhere with this? Mm-hmm. And how is it, how am I not getting anywhere? But also how am I not improving at all? How is it getting worse? Mm-hmm. You know, right. how's my life getting worse? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just, oh, this whole thing of like, you know, digging in your heels and picking yourself up by your bootstraps and stuff like that. That stuff does not apply to sobriety. White knuckling. Yeah, yeah, you know. White knuckling life is like, and that's one thing I talk about a lot. Like, I think personally, I also was raised with like the blue collar mentality. Like, you know, if you just like mm-hmm. work harder mm-hmm. and you white knuckle harder and you have more willpower and you have more discipline and like those things are good, right? Discipline is great, structure is important. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's like if you step back a little and give yourself some grace and rest and acknowledge that, like, I I deserve to be loved mm-hmm. by me, mm-hmm. that makes all the difference. I think sometimes, like, when you're talking about just, like, it's like punishing yourself harder mm-hmm. for not having willpower. Right. That's never going to get you where you want to go. But like early on in my life, you know, I think about it now and I learned this in AA and in Guiding Light that, 
ego ties so strongly into that self-reliance. Yeah. If I can put my ego away for two seconds and ask for help, my life's better. Yeah. Yeah. And not just with sobriety, with anything professionally. Right. Mm. Yeah. I need help with my car. You know, I'm not going to be out there with a wrench YouTube and I don't want to fix a car. If I ask a buddy, it's better, you know? Yeah. And that is a hard lesson to learn, but it's made my life infinitely better in a short amount of time. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the the cliche of like yeah. someone saying all my, my best decisions got me here mm-hmm. and it's so dorky but it once you are able to understand too and you're okay with the fact that like we don't need your ideas anymore luke like saying that to yourself you know like yeah. right you're good all we need you to sit down it's a relief it's yeah. like oh okay i don't have to come up with this on my yeah, own totally and yeah. and so you're gonna make some decisions for me um yeah it's a relief mm-hmm. it really is mm-hmm. Well, surrendering has afforded me a great deal of freedom yes. in my life. You know what right. I mean? But first I had to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it sound fun to so surrender. It's so antithetical to yeah. surrendering yeah. gave well, me freedom. Well, it's antithetical to just all of the values that are yeah. drilled into us in this society. And then, like I said, with, you know, from all the values instilled in me by my family even though i was an extremely lazy entitled teenager but mm-hmm. well <laughs> but i think i told myself that those are my values you know what I, mean? <laughs> like, I mean how much is that kind of champions too well i mean i told myself that those are my values and then i did kind of take them on and now i'm kind of having to deal with dialing those back because it can be a little bit it can cause areas and other it, it can cause areas it can cause problems in other areas yeah, of your yeah, life absolutely mm-hmm. sometimes you have to have other people like i don't know one of the the biggest things i've learned in the last like five years is having a village of people around you that are confident enough to like challenge you mm-hmm. is so important it takes mm-hmm. a absolutely. village mm-hmm. it, well, yeah Very true, i think that's one of the things like i'm really grateful to work with guiding light because you know i'm not in the program but i'm around everybody who is i have clients that are and i mean i have some of the guys that i'm coaching will call me out on stuff too like it's just like there's such a culture of that like it's not just it's not just about like sitting here and listening to you tell me what to do it's also like "Mm, sometimes i question that and i have daniel's really good at challenging me Mm -hmm. um but having people that are willing to be like well wait a second Mm -hmm. (laughs) can you repeat that Mm -hmm. can you say those words to me again Mm because that sounded stupid and then i'm like oh yeah i didn't hear myself the first time that does sound really bad Mm -hmm. like maybe there is something that i need to do and Having people do that for you is so important. It's it feels so hard like to hard. hear yourself. <laughs> yeah. no. I, I think the like one of the most important aspects of like a successful recovery community too is the fact that it's being led by people who have already walked through that fire. Mm-hmm. So like that's the most that's the most important part. Is like I, for me, following someone blindly is difficult. But if I'm looking at someone who has a life that I would like and has been through the exact problem that I've been through, then it makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to that point too. I tell a lot of people early on in sobriety and I tell actually more specifically people while they're in detox too, like while they're coming up with a recovery plan, I was like, if you look at your recovery plan and everything on there is one of your ideas, I was like, trash that plan, Mm -hmm. start over, over. like you need to, you need help now. Like Mm -hmm. this is, you actually need help. You need ideas from other people who aren't in your situation who can just observe and point you in the right direction. Cause Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, your ideas got you here. So. Yep. yep. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a really, I mean, but well, I was there's times time. where you just have, you almost have to, you don't have to say that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. with someone who was detoxing, who told me he thought just tequila was his problem. Yeah. You know, he was, <laughs> I, this, yeah. was this was, Doug, this was last night. Hey, so was like, this was last night. Hey, and it's he not was, like I didn't say the exact no, same thing. No, I know. Yeah. And he was looking me, in, looking me in the eyes and said, I, you know, I've had just a, like three or four uh, rum and Cokes. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm yeah. like, oh no. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went through the whole discussion with him thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like, he got a so shot. You can have and everything then I was like, else and oh, just no. not oh, no. tequila. Oh no. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, to your point earlier, if he doesn't see that, you exactly. can't do anything I know, about yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. what do we say to people like that? We say, try controlled drinking then. Yeah. You know, yeah. try it. I don't know. If, this is going to have to get worse for you to see yeah. that. And problem. you have to Sometimes, believe it. Yeah. 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 
Have it's a half so pint and then try not to drink anymore. <laughs> slash nice. Well, and I even think I was trying to explain him, explain to him in the sense that like there's addicts who are like I don't have a problem drinking but if I drink then I'm much yeah. more susceptible to yeah. use yeah. Yeah. and so I was like kind of look at it like that you know like uh, maybe rum's not your problem but maybe rum leads you back to tequila yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. right duh yeah. I never had that big of a problem with Oxycontin like I was able to stop that but like you know I should sure. say the same thing and then I got found one prescription of it yeah. <laughs> you know well, my problem was I just, yeah, didn't have access to it but yeah I hate that right. whole California sober thing you know that works for some people I it doesn't work that. for me when I smoke a joint I'm like oh beer go great with this well it's know? just like <laughs> it's just like I finally for the first time in my life feel like things feel like it living makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if it's like it, it so if there's any, if there's even the slightest chance of me deviating from the path that I'm on and it brings me back to this hell that I somehow have been able to pull myself out of, then what business do I have even contemplating that? Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because I think about that. Like I see people like, there's people who like smoke weed and recovery and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Or, or like, you know, I'll tell like, you know, I miss LSD and mushrooms and stuff like that. Like, but like if there's even the slightest chance that like first off what business i think i've had plenty of i've had my fun with that yeah Yeah. you know i've certainly had my fill like if there like i i have no i have no business like deviating from the path that's working for me right now you know and i have no business thinking about it we're talking about cliches. We say life on life's terms. You hear that yeah. nonstop and hey, but it's so true. Why are you smoking weed? Right. You're right. not living life on life's yeah. terms. Well, I mean, the <laughs> the core problem that I was always trying to use alcohol and before alcohol, it was weed and it was, you know, air duster and, you know, Xanax and cocaine and all that stuff. Like if it wasn't one thing it was something else Mm -hmm. and the core thing i was always trying to escape from was i just couldn't stand to be up here absolutely you know and somehow somehow it's been almost three years and i haven't had to i haven't had a problem being up here right so if i'm using something to escape that then i'm not dealing with the fundamental problem that I've been trying to work on, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. this, this whole time. So mm-hmm. got no business doing it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, no micro dosing mm-hmm. for you. No, no. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I made a joke recently about getting a part-time job again so I could stop <laughs> being in my brain for a while. Yeah. I'm not doing it, but I went to therapy to deal with everything in my head Mm -hmm. and sometimes I do think about like you know it'd be easy if I was just busier so I just didn't have to like Mm. I didn't didn't have time to feel that things are off but Mm. ultimately you have to yeah well, it is better at the end. Yeah, I mean, there's workaholics a phrase for a reason, right? Gym rats a phrase for a reason. There's all different ways to do it. Mm. Yeah, substances aren't the only addictions. No, it's true. There's food yeah. addictions. I mean, mm-hmm. from the outside they look the scariest, mm-hmm. and people, yeah. you know, it's everybody's in legal trouble. Yeah, nobody absolutely. gets arrested for going to work too much. Exactly. Well, it's easy to say I work out because I'm healthy. You know, right, right. I've, like, yeah. Yeah. I've had people be like, "Well, you drink quite a bit of coffee now," yeah. and it's like, I, I have no problem telling you I'm addicted to coffee. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Also, yeah. I tell you that I've, I have not had one consequence in my life because yeah. of it. Like, yeah. I, I know I am. Like, that's I, I know yeah. I drink too much. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Um, I say that about nicotine too. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'm content with just being addicted to nicotine for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't want to, like, I, you know, like the less vices, the better. I think that's kind of true, mm-hmm. but like, you know, it, it also in early sobriety, like I know when like, you know, yeah. Like I've had this happen a couple of times where a sponsor will be like, "Yeah, man, I'm quitting smoking." Right. He's been sober for two weeks. I'm yeah. like, "Bro, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Go Stop. smoke." It's not good. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's tough. Hold on to that until it, you know. Yeah. Let yourself have one thing. Your brain can't yeah. just stop everything all at no. one time. No. No. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, getting sober from for an alcoholic or a drug addict is difficult enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Make the path a little bit easier on yourself yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. They had a the hospital back home. I don't know if this is still true, but when I interned there, this the 
guy who was the doctor in charge of the psych unit, he had actually fought for them to allow smoking mm-hmm. for the patients on the psych ward because he was like, they're doing enough. Right. We don't like we don't need to have them quitting smoking at mm-hmm. the same time that they're trying to like not want to die. It's today. literally like, a selling point for Guiding Light is that we allow smoking. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's explicit. I, I don't know if it is anymore, but we used to have a flyer that said, oh, and by the way, you can smoke. And it had like three exclamation points on it. I thought it was very important. I thought it was kind of yeah. tasteless. But, that. Yeah. I mean, it well, matters. That's the most important thing to me. I'm like, <laughs> bro, I'm not going to go to rehab for four months yeah. if I can't smoke. People say that all the time. Yeah. You went through a guy like, can you smoke there? Like, that's their... <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes it makes sense if you're already giving up something that is important to your function. Oh, it's all you have like, in early recovery, man. Yeah. I, at least for me, you know, it's just it's all I could What I have to be careful with, though, to. is not to justify new bad decisions. Like, I can eat that 12-pack of cookies. It's not a 12-pack of beer. You know? Well, you like, can yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I Listen, know. I'm I mean, a big fan of letting yourself have, like, Give yourself a gift, okay? But like, I'm just saying to start. You know, but I, I agree because yeah. I have I I struggle with yeah. like eating. And I wouldn't I would not go as far as to say eating disorders, but like mm. I've like struggled with binge eating and yeah. in sobriety. And like my real problem with saying I can treat myself is it sets something off. Mm-hmm. And I I like I wish oh. sometimes I could have the one binge mm-hmm. and stop yeah. after that, but then it's like it sets up like a week of it and I'm like, oh like well, yeah. it's killer. Yeah. I don't that's, know. That's, that, that's where I'm at with smoking right now. I quit smoking for about three months and then I had a yeah, I don't know. My life's been very busy lately. And I had a moment where I decided, like, you know what? I'm stressed out enough. Like, it's okay. I can get a pack of cigarettes and I'll smoke it and then that'll be fine. And I'm, and then I made a deal with myself. It's crazy how this these thought patterns are yeah, still there. No, I know exactly. I made a deal with myself. I am only going to smoke when I'm, like, at work. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I've largely held to that but it's like but every time somebody would see me smoking again and i'd be like well look i'm only smoking at work. <laughs> no you know that's terrible I mean? it's and then it, you know, for all intents and purposes i'm i'm, I'm smoking again like, yeah <laughs> like, yeah leave it know, off <laughs> yeah i am so i try to operate under that assumption if i have to justify it i shouldn't be doing it well so, I, I i think what brought that up is luke yeah. talked about how like there's a moment that's it that you yeah. gotta watch out for the moment where you give yourself permission for something yep. and yeah. then it sets something off mm-hmm. and then you know I mean, obviously it's it's good that it's not ruining my life to the extent that alcohol did yeah you know mm-hmm. but you know it's it just goes to show you the evidence of how you know it really is not as simple as putting drinks and doing drugs down like right. it is a deeper level of you know we're just we're sick in the head yeah. you know <laughs> sick <laughs> we're just the yeah. thought patterns are yeah ingrained and they're really there yeah and that's yeah. what you know that's ultimately about what sobriety is about if you have that problem you know mm-hmm. but there's a lot of good things that come out of it you know yeah. like i said you know even before i started drinking and, and using and and anything like that like i always did feel like life didn't make any sense to me Absolutely. you know i didn't feel like i yeah. i it just i felt uncomfortable everywhere i didn't fit in with my family or with people or mm. the things that you're supposed to you know i was old enough to know like what was expected out of me in life and i was just like i don't know how i'm supposed to do this you know what mm. i mean i'm supposed to like get a job and like I know. you know and, yeah. and and do all this other stuff and you know now it does i get it mm-hmm. you know I, I i'm living a fulfilling life that's you know worth mm-hmm. worth it you know mm-hmm. so i love hearing i owe that to sobriety you know yeah. or i owe that i actually owe that to my alcoholism you know because like without yeah. having that problem that i had to overcome like I think I struggled a lot out. with, you know, what's my purpose? That right. was the hardest thing for me early on. Yeah. You know, like when I was using and now it's like there's some purpose in the pursuit of purpose. That's yeah. been a big shift yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. as long as I'm striving to be better and not do this and help people, there's a lot of purpose right there. That's a much better way to put than yeah. what I just said. No, no, <laughs> like, no, what is my purpose? That is, yeah, yeah. That is exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. 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 I yeah. would argue a little bit mm-hmm. that it's not owing it to your alcoholism it's owing it to the choices you made in the pursuit of getting away from that but mm-hmm. i'm <laughs> semantics matter to me <laughs> no, 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 you're right. 
I don't know about you, Doug, but I, just hearing you talk about that, I mean, I didn't really experience the like, uh, just I, not feeling a purpose in life or not knowing how I fit in until I was in college. Mm-hmm. And then I was like very clear that my addiction was a huge issue. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in high school mm-hmm. as bad. But then also I was watching other people like make big life decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like those years of like, it would really bother me to see a normal person just going along in life and making the next right decision mm-hmm. and knowing like, how do you, like, I yeah. can never, how do I fit into this world and make decisions like yeah. you? I don't think I'll ever be able to be like yeah. just a normal person in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then you got, <laughs> I can't believe you. And then you got, um, and then you're like, what, six months sober and you found out you're having twins. No, <laughs> I was six months sober and I, I found out uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, was pregnant. I'm sorry, should I have said that? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was, well, so we were dating before I got sober mm-hmm. and she was there for the end of it. And then she wouldn't leave me. Mm-hmm. So I broke up with her because I was like, you can't be around for this. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just, it's mm-hmm. too bad. So she wouldn't leave me. So I, I left her and then um, I got sober and then. I think it was maybe a month or so after I got out, like started talking again and then started dating. And then, yeah, six months sober and found out she was pregnant, mm-hmm. got married. And now we have three kids. It's worked out. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's it, out. But it's, it's been cool to have someone that was that close to me mm-hmm. um, throughout the in, in the entire thing. Because even like my parents, like they've dealt with me their whole life, but no one was as close yeah. as Elizabeth was, mm-hmm. like yeah. in the end of my addiction. And then also me in early sobriety. And then even just now in life, it's it's cool to have had someone that saw all of me and yeah. under, understands it too. So yeah, it is cool to see that work out. It you is, know? and yeah, you don't see it very else. often. No. I'm in the same situation with a fiance. You know, she was there through the worst of it, and right? Yeah, she stuck through it. And now things are—I mean, through some counseling and other other uh, avenues, things yeah. are a lot better than they've probably ever been. It's interesting because, you know, there's some trust factors and things that play into that, which you're more than aware of, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, we we had this kind of paradox where it was, I don't want you to hold this over my head for the rest of my life. And she said, I don't want you to ever do this again for the rest of your life. Right. And that's fair, you know, but moving past that has forced us to communicate in a way we never had before. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's very blessed to have a, a partner in life that's seen all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It will never be this bad again, hopefully. So, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, not today. Yeah, not today. <laughs> not today. Yes. Yeah. As long as I don't drink, we're good. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. uh, I think the difference, it, it, like, so I said, it's always really cool to see that because I've seen a lot of guys come in and out of rehab and a very common story you hear is like, they're trying to get the wife back mm-hmm. or they're trying to get the ex back or, or whatever. Right. And, um, I can be very callous at times when somebody's trying to hold on to a relationship while they're trying to get sober. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Nick, to your credit, I didn't even know you had a fiance until like very recently. So like, I think it was very apparent. Um, I think it's always been very apparent that you were getting sober for you. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the, that's the big difference of why it's probably working out, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I, I don't want to say like my fiance is the greatest woman ever, but she is because she said, you know, I need you to go and do this and mm-hmm. do it for you. And I don't want to be any part of it. So right. I'll be here when you get done. That's very you know? smart. Yeah. That was cool. I got good advice when I came in. Just leave that alone for right now. Yeah. And I took it and it worked out. So. Yeah. That's a good thing out of context. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say that my, uh, I don't want to say that my fiance is the greatest person ever. <laughs> There's the blip. TikTok, that's it. <laughs> but to, to your point, we Ryan, someone we both right. know, he yeah. always says when he, he went through Guiding Light, mm-hmm. he's been sober for um, over nine years now. Mm-hmm. And his first sponsor like looked him in the face and said, I cannot guarantee that you'll have a wife, mm-hmm. your job or any yeah. of that after this is done. He's mm-hmm. like, but I can guarantee you there is a better life than you're living right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's gotta be hard to hear. Yeah, I, I, it is, <laughs> so but it's tough. also, it's just, yeah. it's the truth right up front that yeah, like, right. if you're here to get your wife back, then you're 
I, I can't say that's the yeah. wrong reason, but I'm also, oh, that's not a guarantee at the end of this. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. That's so <laughs> tough. I, you know, I, I have always been really, I, I was really grateful when I was here to have completely burned my life down, you know, <laughs> right, right. to where there was just nothing to get back to, Me neither. you know, and you know, it's, it's, it speaks to how stubborn I am that like, I was still like, even in my first like month of sobriety, like arguing with like, with my sponsor about, uh, you know, things I have to hold on to still or something. Yeah. There's nothing there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got nothing to run back to. Like, yeah. you know. Well, sometimes I think like sometimes in the going through the process of recovery from whatever it is, whether it's trauma or addiction or whatever, sometimes by the end of it, you don't want those things anymore. Right. Like you learn so much about yourself and you effectively become a different person. And I've seen a lot of people who they have such a hard time letting go mm -hmm. because that's what they were doing it for or that was something that they thought would be at the end. And when it comes down to you don't really want that anymore, but there's some part of our brains that always want to keep things just because they're familiar, just because they're comfortable, just because we've had them. And letting go of that, if you can't get yourself to do it, even if you don't want it anymore, mm -hmm. like it just holds you back in so many ways. Like to your point about willpower yeah. being the thing that ends up keeping you where you are, keeping you stuck. Like, I think that happens where you just, that part of your brain that's like, no, but this is the thing that I wanted. And I said it would still be there. And it's like, I've had to ask guys in the program, why do you want that? Like right. really think about it. Mm -hmm. Not don't, don't just tell me because you've been together for so long or you've had that for so long. It's, I've had to have this conversation about jobs, career fields, all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. why do you want that? And really think about it. Because if you can't answer that question in a way that feels good to you, you probably don't want it anymore. Oh, Let right. it go. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to do that. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing to be like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe this version of me doesn't want that anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, that's that last vestige of the old you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's tough, mm -hmm. but necessary. Yeah. So Nick, tell us about the job post. <laughs> Since you're repping the shirt. Oh no, don't! I, do please don't. Oh, yeah. like, like, do we really no? have to do this right now? I just did it to her this morning, and uh, I pushed no it hard. No shameless plugs today. Yeah. No. I don't know, Luke. You got any dates? You got to plug stand-up gigs? Yeah, right. Oh, I, I was like, dates? He just said he's married. What? Well, do stand up? No, 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 no. no. What no. kind of get, what gigs you got coming up? Nothing. Okay. No speakers. Nothing. Oh, I don't know. That's, oh, that's what people say. Yeah. On podcasts. Oh. On plugs. Mm -hmm. Get your plugs like, in. You get your plugs yeah. in. Oh, I know this yeah. is a very like large audience that I want to spread the word to. Don't encourage him with that. I, I do think that like it's like can we talk about like like recovery without like talking about how bad it is or just the same typical like psychology yeah. you know bs yeah, you know yeah. like well, yeah and it's like kind of my point earlier i was talking about like if you're an alcoholic you all we did was go to aa and talk about it there whereas it's just yeah. like we can talk about everything else going on in yeah. your life yeah. there's so much more to yeah. than just the one hour meeting yeah mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah cool all right Oh, are we are we out? Mm -hmm. Okay. Are out? Yeah, I think we're good. Cool. Huh? Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And Enjoy if that. you ever have anything to plug, you can always come back, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you can plug it. Yeah. You do have to be on an episode to get the plug. That's the payment. Okay, right, but, right. You know, yeah. no, we'd I, love to have you back. So. We would love yeah. to have you back. I love that. This yeah, is great. I, I work in construction, so there's no there's no plugs to be made <laughs> <laughs> in the office of construction, but. <laughs> Yeah. Well, still. Um, and thank you guys for listening and watching and downloading and everything else every week, month, whatever. Mm -hmm. We do appreciate you. At least I do. Debbie Joe, market improvement <laughs> in your hosting skills from the first one I was on. Oh, so. Really? Yes. Thank wow. you. Yes. Oh, did you just say really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever. It's like Daniel never left. Mm -hmm. So Doug, you're a natural, but no. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. But. Sure. I, no, I really I, do. I want to be honest. I seriously was like, I don't think she needed to improve. I think that she's no. pretty, pretty yeah. much the yeah. same the whole See time. How he so. just like nice reels that right back in. Yeah. Good job. I meant what I said. I, no, I just told you. I'm being honest. Like, I'm, <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Um, words of affirmation is my love language. Yeah. So yeah. thank there you. you. Um, there you go. 
(laughs) (laughs) So if you love the podcast and you want to share with more people, you can always share our stuff. Also rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us a lot. It moves us up in the old algorithm. So yeah. Help us. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I thought we were out. Yeah. Do we have to say bye like it's a phone call? You need to sign I'm off. leaving this in right now. Oh, God. Bye. I hate when he does this. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to say bye, Nick? Do you want to talk about the job post? No. I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. Bye. No. Right. You got to think of something clever, though, for, like, turn the light switch off on casting light or something. Blow a candle or something. You got to think of You want me to say, all right, let's blow out no, a candle. Have on a this candle, thing. man. Yeah, but this is only partially a visual medium. The podcast part is only audio. Are you leaving all of this in? I hate that idea so much. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love it. And I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for real, bye.